This week, Rick helps me think through a new growth plan for Less Annoying CRM. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? Not much. You're, uh, did you intentionally dress like a venture capitalist today? No, it's just cold outside. Oh, you're giving off really heavy, like VCs hanging out in the lodge vibe. Man. <laughs> he's got he's got like a collared shirt with this like pullover on top. Like you got the look going, man. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's yeah. a compliment. I don't know if it is or not. We'll see. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, no, I, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, it's it's kind of this weird weather. I'm kind of picking up off the uh, clothing. Um, mm-hmm. It's super cold in the morning, and then it starts warming up about right now. So the the thermostat doesn't know what to do and yeah. it's just f- weird fluctuations of temperatures in the house. I'm so ready for spring. It's mm. we just had our first two like warm days. Uh feeling good. Anyway, in terms of actual interesting topics, um so sorry, I didn't mean to like say what you were saying was okay, anyway, you know I'm not <laughs> talking shit about you. Okay. Uh <laughs> uh so did you ever when you worked at People Keep, did you ever deal with bug bounties like people, yeah. What is a bug bounty? So it's basically the idea there to use the language that's out there. There are like hackers and some of them are black hat hackers, which is like the bad kind that are like, I'm going to hack your site and cause damage. And then there's white hat hackers, which find vulnerabilities, but don't exploit them. And they report them to you. And the idea is you're under no obligation to pay them, but you, you should. And then if you do, they'll keep looking for vulnerabilities and telling you about them. Got it. So there's like two, like people out there searching for, uh, hacks, ways to hack you. Some, you know, some people like don't hack you and tell you about your vulnerability. Other people hack you and hold you ransom. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess you never dealt with this at people keep then. We did actually once, um, with a ransom, a black hat. Oh, okay. You you dealt with like the bad guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, do you remember that server that, that we bought? Um, and we used to have the shared drive on. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that like got, an old, like my, the Microsoft, whatever, like the old school pre-cloud. Yeah. So we thing. weren't even using it anymore, but like <laughs> it had all like the old stuff on it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I think, uh, and we had switched to, um, uh, Google drive at that point. It was like, mm-hmm. but somehow like that was still running. And like our CTO at the time one day came and said like, Hey, like we're being held ransom because no one's going to let us, this person's not gonna let us access these files anymore. And I don't remember exactly what we did, but um, it, it, it was no impact to our business. Yeah, I hope you're just like, okay, we lose the files. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So I've dealt with that, but no one's ever called me and said, "Hey, like, I I, I want to do you a, a solid. You mm. know, I found some issues. Let me help you out." Yeah. So we get uh, we get reached out to fairly regularly about this. Now, most of the people doing this are like they're it's it's crap. Like this is I think in low cost of living countries where. Like the amount of money we might pay could make a difference. So there's a lot of people in like, you know, India and Eastern Europe and places like that, that, and don't get me wrong, lots of great programmers there, but like people who are not great programmers in those places just kind of like run these automated scans and tell us stuff we know. They're like, Hey, this is how your password rules work. And it's like, I know that's, that's how we made it. Like that's not a vulnerability anyway. But every once in a while you can get like a really, uh, like a really good report from somebody who like d- dove deep in to your code and or not your code, but like testing your, your security perimeter and, um, 
Sorry, did I lose you there? <laughs> oh, okay. Video cut out for a second. So basically, uh, we just got our first like really good one of these. We've gotten a number of bad ones, and we occasionally pay out like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks. But uh, we just paid someone seven thousand dollars for um, finding like a, a legit thing. It's not like bad, like no customer data was exposed or anything, but it was good enough of a report that we thought we should really compensate for it. How much did you pay? Seven thousand dollars. You paid someone $7,000 for coming to you and telling you about a vulnerability. Yeah. Well, they came to us with one and we paid them 2000 This was very smart of them. They were like, what do you pay for this type of vulnerability? And we were like, it was a legit one. And so we were like, here's $2,000. And then he was like, I've got four more. It, was, it wasn't actually four more, but um, it was all kind of the same issue, but he found it in a few different places. Curious, um, is there a service or site that is actively like... A marketplace for solicitations for this? Yeah, we're not using one. Like in our case, people just come to us. I think maybe we're we have enough reputation or whatever. But I think what you can do, I don't off the top of my head know the name of them. I know I'm pretty sure Tuple, uh, Ben Ornstein's company does this. So if you look at like Google Tuple bug bounty and you can work backwards from what their what service they use, I'm pretty sure they do. But yeah, so it's like they'll handle the payouts and all that stuff for you, but it also kind of creates a marketplace to find companies that are willing to pay. Yeah, uh, federacy.com is a, a bug bounty marketplace um, where you can go see what different companies pay for bug bounties. Wow, I had no idea this existed, but it's so obvious. Yeah, it's really cool because like also right now we're doing our first like good pen test, like penetration test where you pay an outside company to try and exploit you. We've done like autom- we, we've done pen tests before, but like we're paying, I don't know, something like $10,000 for a, a firm to come in and really put us to the test. They didn't find any of this stuff. And so now I'm like, well, first of all, what's up with this pen test company? But second of all, like th- this is a, maybe a better way to go is just like pay bug bounties well, and then people are incentivized to keep sending you stuff. Yep. So, so, anyway, so kind of cool. So are you doing anything about this? Or do you like, are you try actively soliciting this anyway? Or do you feel like you need to do anything? Or are you just sort of t- sharing this as a FYI kind of interesting story? Yeah, just sharing it as an FYI. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll share a little bit about how we handle it. Because the problem is you get a lot of crap again, like people reporting stuff that's not a vulnerability and all that stuff. And it's tough because like you don't, you don't want to encourage those people, but you also don't want to give off the impression that you don't pay for this stuff. So most of the time, we don't pay anything. Most of the time, we, ex- we, re- we always write back and, and we say, this is not a vulnerability. Here's our explanation for why. Sometimes they get you on some ticky-tacky stuff, which is like, there's not a problem here at all, but fine, fair, you found something. Uh, and we'll pay like 50 or 100 bucks. But when we do that, we always say, just so you know, like we're not giving you another 50 bucks for this type of thing. Like If you want more money, you, you got to come with something better than that. Um, but in this case, I think it's actually a whole firm. I don't think it's like one. We've been talking with one guy, but I think it's like a firm that's like, at this point, they, they smell blood in the water in a good way. They're like, these people will pay. So let's go find everything we can find for them. So I feel really good that our site's getting more secure now. That's cool. I had no idea there was this like kind of wild west of, <laughs> um, you, know, bount, you know, bounty hunting uh, <laughs> app you know, gurus. It's yeah, it's, kinda, kinda it's cool. really interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And again, like the professionals that we hired for $10,000 didn't find this stuff. No, of course not. So it's like, pretty, it's pretty cool. So what, this takes me right into one of the topics that I want to talk about, which is mm-hmm. the power of incentives. Um, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago and I could not, um, 
like stop thinking about uh, about this. And it's, I don't think I've ever gotten incentives right before in a business. And I think I'm getting them right at like a pelt for the first time because I just see JD doing all the right things. And mm. when we have conversations, it's not just about a short-term incentives, it's about his long-term incentives. Um, but like what you're talking about with the bug bounty program is purely like the incentives are like totally aligned yeah. when you pay a bug bounty program, a bug bounty like like you just did. Yeah, you want it to be more profitable to report it than it is to exploit it. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, the larger topic here is I think as a manager or a, an entrepreneur, getting incentives right is like a game changer. Just and, and I and I I think part of the reason I'm able to get incentives right at Leg of Health is that I've simplified the business. Hmm. I think it's super when you have a complexity in your business, it's super hard to incentivize people because if you have a complexity in your business, your incentives get complex. And then incentives that are complex don't work because people don't under, don't understand them. Do you think there's like a possible future where like up health is going great? You've got twenty or fifty people, and this gets complicated again. Or do you think like simplicity is baked in? I think I've got to manage. It's going to take effort not to let complexity. I mean, I'm interested in what you say. You've been at this a lot longer than me, but I I would guess that we're going to be under attack. Uh, you know, like. The, from the by the distraction of complexity, yeah, um, it's shiny. It's <laughs> it's more fun. It's bo- not boring. It's exciting, um, and we're going to have to say no to a lot of things to keep it simple. Yeah, I've always so I think less. I, I've gotten very lucky. Plus, probably we've done some things right. At less annoying, but like, I wouldn't say the business is simple necessarily, but the incentives are. Like, we we don't pay anyone on commission. We don't really track anyone's metrics. Raises are automatic. So we kind of take the approach of like. Good people, if they feel like they're treated fairly, like their default state is to do good work. You have to like make them resent you for them to not want to do good work. Um, it's not quite that like it's harder in some situations where it's like, no, we really need to push right now. How do you incentivize that or whatever? But uh, I imagine you're probably going to end up with if you do hire more people with more of a sales driven kind of commission type thing. I don't know. Um, and when I wrote the article, what I realized is that incentives aren't just financial. People change mm-hmm. behavior for all sorts of incentives. Like one of the biggest incentives is mating. Like uh, we, like mm-hmm. you know, it's powerful, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, you know, there's all sorts of like behavioral incentives. And I think you're really good at behavioral incentives. Um, you may not leverage as much financial incentives, although you do. Like you bake in raises. You, you know, it's an incentive to perform, so you stay with the company, so you get your raise. Yeah. Um, but then there's also like to what you said was that people are disincentivized by poor, you know, leadership um, and management. And so, anyway, um, I, like getting that stuff right and really thinking about all the ways you are incentivizing your people when you hire them. Change, like, you get that right, and life it gets easy as a manager. You get it wrong, and you're just like one of the worst situations is when you have a financial incentive that says to do one thing, and then but you want them to do something different, and you're getting yeah. frustrated with them, and so you're confusing the hell out of the person. You're like why did you do this? And then it's like, because I get paid to do this. Yeah. Uh, and it, My yeah. favorite example of this, do you remember, I don't know, maybe six years ago or something, the Wells Fargo scandal where they were creating fake accounts for people? Yes. Um, and just for people who don't remember this, like, so a bunch of fake accounts got created for Wells Fargo customers, which in some cases resulted in fees and stuff that they didn't want to pay. And they did this extensive investigation. And it turns out like literally no managers at Wells Fargo knew about this, even though mm. it was pretty widespread. And so the man, you know, management was like, not, not our fault. Like the, the low level employees decided to do this on their own. And then you keep looking into it. And it's like, 
Well, you made it impossible for them to make their full compensation without doing this. They didn't have to check it, check with you. Like their only option was to fake this. And yeah, so that's, that's the, the downside power, of that's, incentives. That's yeah. the power, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, I had a couple of examples in my article. Um, one is, an, I'll share two. One example was um, Spotify example. Um, sh- songs get shorter on Spotify when Spotify mm. pays by the song. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting sort of side effect. Um, the, the other really interesting one is the one that Charlie Munger, Charlie Munger is uh, Warren Buffett's business partner, really thoughtful guy around like behavioral psychology. Um, he uh, uh, shares an example about FedEx. So FedEx, like when it was first coming out with their service of overnight, you know, same next day delivery, um, they relied on a core system of having um, airplanes sort of Converge. I think it was in Tennessee, probably like Memphis. I think, I think Memphis. Yeah. yeah, and and they they would they would come and they would meet, and then the whole like product and value proposition re- relied on the ability to shift the cargo and the packages between planes and do that accurately and on time. And they could never get like get it right until <laughs> they stopped paying people by the hour, and instead people paid people by the shift. Mm, interesting. So they could go home when they were done. Yeah. That's cool. It's a powerful one. And uh, anyway, I good would, thing to keep in mind. Good thing to keep in mind. Um, but anyway, I've got it right at Leg of Health, I think. Um, and uh, I'm going to be very careful with any other venture that I go into to, yeah. to get to get to, to get this right. It takes let a lot me, of thought. Let me just say as a word of warning, not, not that you've done anything wrong, but just like it's a lot easier, I think, to incentivize early employees because you can give them a, a larger stake and be like, we're in this together. That that stops working at some point. Very fair. Yeah. Um, cool. What I think I've only got one other topic, but it's the big one. So we'll save that for later. So take it away. Um, well, I'm adding new clients every, well, I, we are adding (laughs) new clients every week. Now I've got my partner JD, um, and, and me, um, and, uh, we've moved our, our check-in meeting to Thursdays in the, in the early morning. And, um, every week, like our prospecting. So our major push is prospecting. And, um, I actually had a question related to this. So Recap for anyone who didn't hear the last episode is we've been, we really want to figure out like direct prospecting to consumers in Utah. If we can figure that out, we can pour money on it. Um, basically, we have a pretty targeted uh, ideal customer profile. And um, we roughly think that there's a hundred thousand people, or a couple hundred thousand people in Utah that we could, that could become our clients. Um, and by reaching out to them via email, social media, phone, and asking people, questions, uh, we can profile them and determine whether they're a good fit for our product. Um, if in basically that means if they buy health insurance, the marketplace, they're a good fit. Mm-hmm. So, um, we found that like our core assumption is that people in certain professions, particularly small businesses and entrepreneurial type, uh, you know, tonight contractor people like hairdressers, um, real estate agents, that kind of thing. The, those people have a high probability of being ideal customer profiles. Um, so what we've been doing is building kind of prospecting lists um, for, of people in those professions and then enriching those lists with email addresses and contact information and then reaching out to that list. Um, and we're having great success. I sent you the funnel via Slack. Yeah, Did you see that? Awesome. Yeah. Crazy, right? Is is that information you can share or is that a... Yeah, I'm happy to share it. Um, I think it's really cool. Like, So JD um, is doing this work and he is... He's built a, we call it our AOR funnel, which is means agent of record funnel, but it's basically our, our converting people um, who have marketplace policies uh, to our agency. And uh, at the very top of the funnel, we have qualified prospects. Um, 
when I sent this to Tyler, we had reached out to about 500, uh, we, we'd identified 500 um, ish qualified prospects and 80% of those people we'd contacted. And uh, we, we had a 20% conversion rate into a uh, customer. Um, so pretty cool that if we can, and these are all cold reach outs, like completely cold. Um, so if we can scale that 400 to, you know, the, the 200,000 people that we think, um, or even like some hundreds, uh, 10,000 people this year, we should be able to hit our 400 client number. Well, hang on, do that math for me again. Cause what I'm seeing from your graphic is you, you had 449 top of funnel qualified prospects, which turned into two clients. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So I, I'm doing 200,000 divided by 449 means there's 445 times that, that many users. So you've got something like, and then I got to multiply that by two because you got two clients out of it, something like 890 clients if you prospect the whole state basically out of this. Yep. Awesome. So uh, how expensive do you think it is to do that? So we're tracking uh, costs on this too. I didn't put that in the thing that I sent, but we basically got it down to to get to so the 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 bottom two stages of the funnel are one is like close one, like this person became a client, and then the one above that is this is a qualified opportunity, meaning they're an ideal customer profile. They buy health insurance through the marketplace and they live in Utah. Mm-hmm. We have um we we have it re- roughly estimated at about ten dollars per um contact that is a opportunity, um and if we can close. Uh, sorry, twenty dollars per per opportunity. So okay. if we can close twenty um, percent of those, hold that twenty percent close rate. Then it's about a hundred dollar per customer acquired, which is really good. Yeah, that's like a two or three month payback period. Mm-hmm. Damn. I mean, what is is this real? That kind of seems too good to be true. Way too early to say. Um, but I like our thought is that um, is that if this holds like across thousands of uh, qualified prospects over the next few weeks, then it's only going to get better as we hone messaging, um, hone yeah. systems, nurture Unless, contacts. Did, is the 500 or so very, very top people, were they selected randomly or was it like you had some, re- like, is this maybe better than a random sampling of people? Possible. Okay. These people might be more, I mean, that's a good question. I should probably dive into with JD um, how the list is getting built and if it's like how that list building is biased. Um, that's yeah. a good question. I don't but know. Cool. I, I mean, that's super exciting. Like, ugh, I, I say this every time you bring this up. Like, I'm so jealous. It's, it's not work I would like to do. I don't want to do what you're what JD is doing, but it's so systematic and controllable in a way that nothing I've ever figured out has been. Yes, I uh, totally agree. Um, so you know, anyway, I wanted to share that. One question yeah. I wanted to have ask you is, you know, at the top of the funnel, when we're reaching out to these people, now that we kind of know that they're going to convert, um, if we can get on the phone with them, we need mm-hmm. to get more people to take a call with us, right? So do you have any ideas on how we might be able to incentivize people like replying to us? Like, yeah. That, that, that isn't slimy or... Because we, I mean... If someone is willing to get on a phone call with us and tell us like all about their health insurance and then create an account, we're probably willing to pay something like 25 bucks for that. Yeah. The tough thing is, so like the natural thing to think is like offer them a $25 gift card. But my Mm -hmm. understanding is that never works. Like you can't pay someone to be a cut. Like at that point, you're like a weird Ponzi scheme almost. Yep. Um, So how do you spend $25 other than just giving it directly to the person to get them to talk to you? 
I mean, it, in per, is in person an option? Because you can be like, you can get a free muffin. That that's different from I'm going to give you twenty five dollars. Like, what do you mean by in person? Like, do you like, mean could you set up shop somewhere and be like, you're walking down the street and you can? I don't know. This is a so bad that, idea. That's the, the problem with that is like our list is targeted. It's right. not just it random. Just it's not anyone. random people walking by. Now, if it was at a conference, for example at a trade show that we paid for a booth, like that might be interesting. Yeah. A small business conference, but, um, not for that. Not, not, that's not kind of, that didn't work. So it's, but yeah, like what I'm trying to get to is like, have, have I talked to you about Robert, um, Caldini? I don't know how exactly how you say his last I, name. I don't but think like, so. No, he's come up with the, like these principles of persuasion. Charlie Munger actually references his work a lot called the, uh, it's like some, some like principles of persuasion or something like that. Okay. But, um, one of the pr- principles, there are seven of them is reciprocation. And like when someone does something nice to us, we feel obligation to give back. Mm. Um, and one of the key things he says is like to trigger this, like, first of all, you shouldn't do this and be evil. Like you shouldn't like go around <laughs> being nice to people so that they owe you stuff. It should, you know, <laughs> um, you know, but like generally you can like use reciprocation to grow your business. And so the key here when you use reciprocation is to go first. When we go and right right now, when we're reaching out to people, we mm-hmm. say, Hey, will you do something for me? Will you get on a call with us? Will you answer this question? Yeah. If we led with, Hey, here's a free gift card. We're going to give it to you no matter what. Um, would you like now, um, now that we've given you a gift card, would yeah. you be willing to get on a call, call with us? Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm not I'm not shady. Although I might, if if I'm the consumer there, I may be like, damn, you must be shady if you've got this kind of money to burn just to talk to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's a, that's kind of like mm-hmm. a, an aggressive one, but like, I, I, I know that we need to go first with some sort of gift. Like, it's like, Hey, like no, oblig- like here is money or here is something nice for you. Now that we've given you something nice, here's something we're asking for. No obligation. Yeah. The thing I'm imagining, which I think it'd be hard to pull this off, but like, can you do a non-monetary thing that's like, hey, we'll call your insurance company the next time you need to submit a claim or, you know, something that everybody hates that, you, but that, that wouldn't work. I realize like, yeah, I don't know. And, yeah. And it's also contingent. Like it has to be immediate. Like it has to be, we have to go first yeah. and it has to be immediate. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, maybe try the gift card thing after all. I don't know. I've, I've heard people talk about that and be like, that doesn't work. But the flip side is I've heard in enterprise sales, I think it's pretty common to be like, listen, we reserved a private room at the nicest steakhouse in town, like, you know, 300 bucks a person to eat here. Come here and we're going to give you a presentation. Like you, you get this coming in. We're going to give you a sales pitch. You don't have to buy anything. You get your steak either way, but you know, you're getting the sales pitch. Apparently that works in enterprise sales. That's actually a really good example. Inviting people to free meals and giving them free, like free experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they like feel the obligation to, to help you afterwards. That's actually really a great, good example. The other one I'm thinking of, it, it kind of violates this a little bit is, um, one time I think Amex sent me a boat, um, a remote control boat. Um, <laughs> it was like this really nice thing. I was like, Oh, this is cool. And it was out of the nowhere. It came right to my desk at people keep. And then they were like, I opened it. It was like, if you want the remote, you've got to do a 45 minute uh, demo with us. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm just like, I threw that thing in the trash. Yeah. Wow. But that's, I mean, it's clever, I guess. If they yeah. gave me the remote and then said, you know, something else, I would have felt obligation though to get on the call probably. I wonder if it was less effective than if they just give me the re- remote in the first place. Yeah. I do sometimes get uh, cold outreach from people. I never respond to any of it, but like, some is more can, more appealing than others. Like one is like people will send you a book with like a handwritten note in it that's like, hey, like 
this relates to less knowing CRM. I like this book. If you ever want to talk about whatever there's, you know, insurance or whatever, let me know. I've never actually, it's never worked on me, but I've, I've been pitched that way. Yeah. So um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I don't have any good ideas. <laughs> what kind of books do they send you? I mean, I actually some, I've, this has only happened like once or twice, but uh, I, I got like a, well, the book, I forget what it's called. It, it did look interesting. I didn't end up reading it because I don't read much, but uh, <laughs> someone sent me a stuffed animal. They were like, this is our mascot, like sassy, like it was S-A-A-S like or something like that. That one was fun because it was, they sent it like the day the pandemic hit. And so I went into the office like five months later and got this stuffed animal that had been sitting on my desk for five months. And I was like, oh my God, this is sad. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What else? What Uh, else? Sassy. I didn't know that you had a sassy. Um, I have related to this. This is like my last topic related to this is um, so, so that's like getting people on the phone. Then there are these people who are going out of their way to help us. And it might be like they respond and they say, you know, I don't buy marketplace policies, but I have five employees who do. Here's their, like, may I, I'll introduce you to them and Mm -hmm. they'll introduce us. Or um, they'll just say like, they'll jump on the call with us and fill out the survey or do whatever we're doing. And I'm just wondering like, how do we thank people who help us in general in a way that is remarkable? And I'm thinking of Zappos when I say this. So I'm just wondering if you had any ideas for us. JD and I are very unoriginal when it comes to this, but like, we want to be remarkable. The best example of this is, uh, do you know the CD Baby guy? What's his name? Uh, yeah, Derek Sivers. Derek Sivers. Yeah. Yeah. So like, he tells a story in his, one of his books about how you know they, the CD Baby was basically um, a record creator for um, indie indie people who didn't have you know uh, labels, and so you could go to the site and request like your songs to be like converted onto a CD. Um, and one guy, like you know, one artist went on there and said like you know. I want this, my CDs on here. Here's my media. And they had this like box that I'm getting this wrong, but like they got the box and it said like, what else could we do to make this more pleasant for you? Um, and he said like, give me some octopus or something like that. <laughs> and they sent him a lot like a octopus to eat and, and <laughs> on the top of his uh, um, CDs when they came and wow. he, he raved about it. It changed like, and it's a great example of just yeah. like remarkable customer service. Hotels uh, do this somewhat regularly, right? Where you can kind of make it's my anniversary. Do something special and they'll, they'll leave something in your room for you. Yes. Yes. Um, chocolate strawberry with some champagne. Um, so you're talking about people who are customers that like, do you a favor, like referring somebody or something like that. Anyone who helps us achieve our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be you on this podcast. It could be, uh, anyone we deem is like, Hey man, that, that person we want to do something nice for. How do we do that in a remarkable way that is like not that kind of fits with like the leg up health sort of mission. It's not just like like we don't, we can't like do return, like amazing return policies like Zappos did, for example. Let me give two, two things. One, one that's like less remarkable, but easier to do uh, that I've heard works. I listen to a couple podcasts from people who do this, where basically a, a swag gift box, but like a really, really good one. Not like here's a mouse pad, but like here's a $100 hoodie and like a really nice water bottle and just like $500 worth of stuff branded. And there are these companies apparently that will like package it up super nice, like tissue paper, the color of your brand. And like when you get it, you're like, wow, like I must really be special to them because you can just, it oozes quality, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of boring, but apparently that works in some cases. The other one, this wouldn't work for like me, but I could imagine when people sign up, 
add a little quirkiness to the sign-up process and be like, tell us a fun fact about you or something like that. And then later, you can use that to give them some kind of really personal gift. That is what CD Baby did. They set themselves up. I mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out. They set themselves up for this. They asked a quirky question yeah. that, w- that, that triggered people into like being vulnerable back with them. And then they used that vulnerability to, to wow later. I love that framework, and I'm going to steal that. Cool. Yeah, and like 75% of the time, it won't work. They, yeah. they'll, they'll be like, I love you know, private jets and you'll be like, okay, well, I'm not getting you a private jet, but yeah. Or maybe you get them a little tiny one. I I was just thinking like you could, you could do something with that. Yeah. If you want the remote. (laughs) But that's talk about bait and switch, right? Like that was was one of those things where I was just like, I don't, I don't want American express anymore. I want to rip up my card now. Yeah. That sucks. Um, cool. What else? Speaking of credit cards. Yeah. X one card. X one. I haven't heard of this. What, uh, what is it? So you know how Divi and like, um, uh, Brex, like you can, you have like one physical card, but you can create unlimited virtual cards for business and like put mm. things on it. X one is a personal card that lets you do the same thing. So I can create unlimited virtual cards on my, um, on my, with an app on my phone and like use that one for Netflix. So if I get mad at Netflix, I can just turn off that virtual card without having to call them. That's cool. Um, anyway, I've been on the wait list for about a year. Um, and, uh, this came today, X one, I wanted to tell That's you about exciting. that. Cool. Capital One does that, which is what I use, but it's like such a pain in the ass to actually create the additional card number. I never do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I assume X One's doing it well. <laughs> it's actually really a really nice um, experience. Uh, I was annoyed by how long. I think I, I can't even remember. It's been so long since I signed up on the wait list. I can't remember when I did it. Hmm. So cool. Um, anyway, uh, what what else do you have? I mean, my uh, I've got one. Do you want to move on to rant? No, you talk about Sunday as a success, and then we'll move on to rants and shoutouts. Okay. No work Sunday has been a mission of mine for two weeks. I've had two Sundays without work and it's been pretty awesome. Um, I, I think I'll do it again this week. So, um, is it not like spilling over into other days where you're like, now I have like more stressful other six days. I absolutely have more stressful Monday through Friday, but it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Cool. Do you think it's sustainable? Like, have you, have you had to set boundaries where like Someone's reaching out to you and you have to be like, no, not talking oh, to you Oh, yeah. I'm like the no guy now at work. Like, I, I'm <laughs> like, here's a process that you can use and we'll respond in 48 hours. <laughs> like, here's a, here's a form that you could submit to request that. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> I like it. Cool. I don't really have much else to say, but I'm glad it's working for you. Yeah, I just wanted to share that. Tell me about you, man. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going we're gonna to spend, you know, 20 minutes talking about me in a second because I got a big topic, but you want to do rants and shout outs first? Um, yeah, go for it. Did you read this post from Jason Cohen on, I, and he didn't call it this, but like the, well, he kind of called it this, the elephant curve thing. Mm. Um, I'll p- put a link in the show notes. Uh, Jason Cohen, he's the founder of WP Engine. And one of the, uh, like, I, I don't necessarily like his businesses, but his, the content he creates about business, like entrepreneurship and stuff like that, just incredible. Uh, but this is one of my favorite blog posts ever where he, he dives into basically what growth looks like for SaaS companies in a way that I've I've never seen anyone describe it as clearly as this. In particular, far too often you hear people talk about exponential growth. Um, or even if they don't use the word exponential, they're like, I'm growing this percent month over month or year over year. And it, growth doesn't work like that. Like, And he goes through a million examples. He's like, Facebook didn't grow like that. Uber didn't grow like that. Like, No company has ever grown that way for more than a few months at a time or something. Uh, instead it's quadratic. Is this like a difference you're familiar with? Like exponential no, I, quadratic? I, you have to take me back to 
Was this eighth grade math? <laughs> yeah. I always knew this, like uh, people smarter than me that I work with were like, it's not actually exponential, you know, it's quadratic. And I, this post helps understand the difference, but basically exponential does a multiple each time. So it's like we double, I, no one doubles month over month, but just to make the math easy, like we double month over month. Uh, quadratic is accelerating, but it by an addition rather than a multiplication. So it's like uh, we add a hundred more users than we did the month before every month or whatever. So it's still kind of hockey sticks up, but it's like it's a different hockey stick. Um, so that's one really important thing I got got from this article. I mean, does that resonate with you so far? That that that's much more realistic of a growth like model. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And then it goes into this other thing that has been puzzling me about Less Winning Serum for years. We have more or less grown linearly for, in the very, very early days, we kind of hockey sticked up when, like, when you only have 100 customers, it's easy to go to 200. But ever since we've had a critical mass of people, it's been linear. And we've always been like, how is this possible? Either uh, growth is higher or churn. We know that churn is a percentage of customers. And so if like, it's so unlikely that growth and churn perfectly cancel each other out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like you'd think either you plateau or you hockey stick. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think you go straight. This article goes into a very compelling reason for why most companies actually end up with this type of growth model. Even the really hyper growth, uh, like Silicon Valley startups do. Well, and what is the reasoning? So I'll admit, like, I need to reread it because, like, the math gets complicated. But more or less, I think the simple version is the way growth works is you're stacking many different channels on top of each other. And one is, there's actually more like an S-curve where it it kind of hockey sticks up and then plateaus. But as it's plateauing, another one hockey sticks up. And so if you're growing effectively, you should expect it to look linear, more or less. So anyway, there. Probably that was a waste of time because everyone should just read it instead of listening to me butcher it. But a really good <laughs> blog post. I'm, I'll post it in the uh, in the show notes. So the elephant curve is basically an S curve. Yes, it's it's, it's a the, series of S curves. Right, and yeah, you kind of you hockey stick up, and then if it's it, the idea is each channel follows the model of an elephant, and when you stack them on top of each other, it looks like a straight line. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Yeah. Um, what if you do multiple elephants at the same time? Is that when you get exponential growth? Well, it talks about that. Yeah. It's actually, it's, it's like a long article and I'm not like bad with math, but I'll admit at points I was kind of lost. Yeah. (laughs) But it's sounds like a, like an article that would take a weekend to get through. Yeah. But worth it. I I recommend it. Anyway, that's my, that's my shout out. What do you got? Um, I'm just wondering, have you upgraded to a windows 11? Yes, I have. Is it worth it? Every single one of our listeners just tuned out. They're like, these guys both use Windows. <laughs> uh, it's not better. Uh, do you customize your start menu at all or just like stick with what it, how it behaves by default? I, I customize the taskbar like with shortcuts, but I don't care about the start menu now. Okay. Cause like I moved, I moved the bar, I guess, tar- I guess taskbar is what I mean. I move it to the right side of the screen oh, no, instead of having that. it on the bottom and I have it like not show. I, I basically move it back to how Windows 7 worked. Um, okay, you I'm going to be fine. You can't do that anymore. If you use the default, I'd say Windows 11 is basically the exact same as Windows 10. Okay, I can click the upgrade button then. Thank you. Yeah, go for it. And uh, <laughs> by the way, this came up at um, at uh, Windfall this week and because we like 
basically everyone has PC, uh, Macs because it's a San Francisco based company and that's just like what people do. Yeah. And I was just like, if you made me use a Mac, I would like, I would resign over that. And I, I mean it. Like I, hmm. I cannot work on a Mac. Cause you like, switched for a while. A, I try, I tried, ago, right? I've, had, I've tried to work on a Mac twice. I'm, I am too efficient on a PC. Yeah. Um, with shortcuts and primarily keyboard shortcuts and, uh, the operating system shortcuts that I would just, I would not be able to do it. I hate Mac OS. I, I have like a Mac mini. I, I use it from every time I'm using it. I'm like, people talk about them. Like they're really good at software design and like, I, they're not, I don't, I don't get it <laughs> anyway. Windows isn't either. I want to be clear. It's not that I like windows. It's that I hate Mac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyway, that's, I, I think we probably should take your topic yeah, now because we got about 25 minutes. Yeah. Cool. So, the topic is growth. Uh, I think a few episodes ago, I kind of mentioned basically like we had a pretty bad holiday season, which I didn't want to read too much into because holidays are always bad, but it was worse than normal. But like with seasonal stuff like that, it's so common for it to just bounce back and be fine. I didn't want to overreact to it. But now we've had, you know, we're halfway into March and this year's looking. It's We're not like shrinking. We're still growing, but like not nearly as much as I would like. So it's time not to panic, but to go from wait and see to like, let's be proactive and actually do something. Let's understand our elephants and create more elephants. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's been like seven years since we've created an elephant. So I think <laughs> probably this is overdue. Yeah, um, I'd say so. Well, like, I mean, one thing I've been thinking about is like, was it whatever we come up with in this conversation and whatever the company does, should we have done this anyway? Like, wh why weren't we doing this? But I do think like if growth is happening, I'd rather not be working on this, you know? You don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. But got to do it now. Um, so yeah, I just figured I'd kind of talk about, I'm, I'm already decently far into planning this, but not done with it. So I thought I'd just catch you up to where I am and just, this will be one of many brainstorming sessions I do with different people. And, and I'm sure you can give me a lot of wisdom here. Does that sound okay? Yes, it'd be wonderful. Cool. So first of all, like, how seriously do we want to take this? In my opinion, you want to overreact to this stuff. or I mean, you want to appropriately react, but if you're going to err, I'd rather react too aggressively. I don't want like a year from now to be like, well, we didn't do enough and now we're really in trouble, you know? So I'm basically looking at the company and saying, I don't want to, again, it's not like a disaster scenario. I don't want to like ruin all the good stuff we've got and make mistakes that would like, like I don't want to like hurt our long-term success, but anything with flex, anything that we can cut without it hurting too bad, I want to pivot those resources to something else. Um, so that's where I'm starting at here is like looking at the whole company and saying, what can we do? Make sense? I, I like I, when you say cut, do you mean like what people are spending time? Yeah, time, time, yeah. It's time allocation more so than resource allocation. Uh, like resource entirely, allocation could yeah. include cash as well. Um, you don't, you're not saying like we need to fire people no, and no, replace no. them with other people. You're saying like, Good point. um, people are spending their time a certain way today. We need to reallocate how people are spending their time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. All right, cool. So here's, so I looked at the whole company. There's about 20 people right now. Uh, the teams are their CRM coaches. That's about eight people. I think that's customer service. I do think they will have a role to play. I don't think it will be, I think they will be the least affected by this probably. They'll probably do some customer research and try and get a little more information and stuff like that. But mostly I, I don't want to disrupt customer service. There's a product team, which is a designer, two DevOps people, and five or six software engineers. 
I do think shifting prod like the product stuff we're going to do around is something we should be doing. And so I'll, I'm just like overviewing here, but I'll dive into that in a second. And then there's the growth team, which is two people, kind of a marketing and a biz dev person. That It's very obvious that they should be heavily involved in this. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing is my brother Bracken. He's the other co-founder. He's one of those DevOps people. He's really good at like stats and data stuff. Like he has a PhD in, I don't understand it, but something <laughs> like that. Uh, <laughs> and he's going to be listening to this and hopefully get a chuckle out of that. But um, he's really good at that stuff. We don't have like a data-y marketing person. So I'll just start there because this seems like the easiest one. We're thinking in, until we don't need it anymore, he's not a DevOps person. He's a kind of data scientist, more or less, basically answering questions. Because when I brought this up four weeks ago or whenever it was with you, you said, well, what happened? Why are you, why did your free free trials decrease? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so that's the type of question that he'll be responsible for answering. So let me start there. Anything to add, suggest? I love it. I mean, I one thing I learned from my recent exercise with JD is that like a lot of good growth strategies start with good questions. Um, yeah. And so I think that is a great place to start. Cool. So maybe we can just real quick brainstorm questions. So the first one you already said in a different episode, and I'll, let me say it in more detail than what I just said. Our, our number of users on their free trial is lower than normal. We're at maybe 900 at any given time. I'd like to be at 1,200 just to just to kind of get back to what was normal before. Um, and you kind of said, well, what happened? Did like a, did a specific channel dry up? Is it that you're not converting from website to free trial at a high rate? Like what's going on? So that's definitely a question we need to get the answer to. Anything else come to mind like to even know what we should be doing? Yeah, I mean, I would, I, it depends on, I, I usually like 12 months of history, but you probably don't, I don't know because I like to see the whole season. Um, yeah. And we have like, a lot of data. We just yeah. haven't done anything with so it. So I would probably take the last 12 months and I tried to organize it to answer a few questions like for the last 12 months, like where did traffic come from? Um, how did that traffic convert? Why did traffic try to answer questions around like, why did certain traffic spike? Why did certain free trial spike and tie it back to like either activities that you are controlling or activities that are happening in the market? Um, the changes that Google is making to its search algorithm changes in spend that you've made on your marketing agency. I think you spend money on ads, um, some amount of ads per month. Yeah, not, it's yeah. getting worse and worse over the years, but yeah. yeah. Um, so like, you know, changes to referral. Like I remember before the pandemic, you, you're making a lot of changes to like referral programs and like where you're marketing that. Try to try to see what the impact is of changes that you've made historically. Not necessarily to understand the impact of those changes, but to understand what impacts, what changes, what actions change things. Does that make sense? So I guess the larger question is like, what did we actually affect? Yeah. Uh, and what can we affect? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. My my guess is what we're going to find, because again, we've been very passive with growth. Like a 20 person company normally has more than one marketing person. Um, I bet what we're going to find is a lot of this happened to us and like we were never impacting it much. Now we might say like, this channel dropped off or not, but I doubt it'll be like, we did this thing and this channel dropped off. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I think you'll, it'll probably, your growth is a probably complicated co- uh, combination of lots of little things that you've done over many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, you want to make sure you, you know what those things are. So you keep doing them. 
um, while you also do more tactical things to accelerate the growth. Yeah. So I, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, what things do you want to keep, like identify what, what's working and that you want to keep doing, identify things that you're maybe doing. Well, it doesn't sound like you have a lot of those, but like the, the, sh- that don't matter or that you've done that didn't have any impact and then start experimenting with things like what, what can we try to do that might, might drive growth. Cool. Okay. You gave me, you gave me some ideas on like, and preliminary answers to questions, but, but a lot of this is going to be like, ask a question, answer it. And that will lead to the next question. So I realize you can't tell me what the next round of questions is yet. The high level here is like, I understand what's happened in the past and why it happened. Yeah. And that will give okay. you insights into like what you want to do, what like you want to do going forward and what you want to try going forward. Then start trying things and asking questions about what happened after that. Yeah. Um, so well, do you have ideas, like assumptions that, that uh, you uh, of things that you want to do? Sort of. Let me, so let me talk about that in a second, but just as a backdrop, everything else we say for the rest of this conversation Remember, we have this person who's good at data stuff. If we maybe we'll stumble upon more questions. Oh, it'd be good for him to dive into that, dive into that. Let's just keep that in mind. Um, mm-hmm. So you asked, do I have ideas for what I want to do or what what I think is I'm, wrong? I would just like it's it's sort of like without that those questions answered, everything yeah. we talk about becomes extremely hypothetical. So um, what I wanted to talk about more was like the plan, like the framework I'm going to use to approach this more so than like, what's the specific idea going to be? I think that's great. What, okay. like, how are you thinking about approaching this? So here's, here's my current plan. Um, feedback appreciated. So again, we've got Alex and Eunice. Alex does biz dev, Eunice does marketing. But if we're being honest, like neither of them, what they do would be good biz dev or good marketing at a different SaaS company. Like we kind of do it our own way, which works well when things are working. So let me give you an example rather than being so abstract. Eunice is putting a lot of pieces in place for our hopeful product-led growth future, which is probably several years away. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not valuable, but it's not. none of us were under any illusion that it's doing anything to drive growth right now. Um, that's an example of like, she's, she's doing very little. Like We, we need to shift that. I, I like the long-term approach, but we can't be that long-term focused right now, basically. Mm-hmm. That that's, a right. time real, that's a time reallocation. Yeah. We, JD and I had a conversation about this today. Um, there are things that we need to do to like figure, answer the question of like, does this prospecting motion work? But then there's long-term investment into relationships of like more in the BD category, business development category of like payroll companies that are based in Utah. Um, other group insurance agents that are more focused on groups that could be referral sources. Um, property and casualty agents, these people we need to start reaching out to and build a relationship with, but Mm -hmm. it's a 10% type of time effort, um, versus a 90% effort. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, imagine the same type of thing with Alex. He's doing work, it's valuable work, but it's not like the thing that might change this trend, um, most directly. So here's what I was thinking with them. I have a long meeting scheduled with them on Monday. Uh, have you read the book Traction? But hang on, there's two books called Traction. Not the one about the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial operating system. The one by uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Weinberg that's about like growth uh, traction channels. Yeah, the traction channel, like it's like the wheel of growth, and like there's yeah. each. Yeah, I've seen, I've read that one. Yeah. Okay. So here's my hypothesis. Let me know what you think. I, I think one of the mistakes we've made in the past. Um, I follow SaaS pretty closely, but. Not well, first of all, I don't think Eunice or Alex. I think Eunice, I do closely. Eunice does medium, Alex does not much, but I don't think any of us are really like 
experts on what other people are doing that's working for growth. And so as a result, every time we brainstorm marketing type ideas, we're like making them up ourselves, you know, and it's a great, it's a fun exercise. It's like super creative and stuff, but then most things don't work. <laughs> My hypothesis here is that one of our cause, reasons for failure is that we're trying to be too creative as opposed to focusing on executing on proven models. And so what I said to both of them is, I bought this book for everybody. I said, read it by Monday. We're going to spend the next six months going through this. And I'll, I'll give a summary, or you can in a second for listeners who aren't familiar with the book. But my, my constraint I put on them is nobody gets to come up with any new strategic ideas for the next six months. The, the tactics specifically, how are we going to execute on this might require a little creativity, but like no one gets to hypothesize a growth channel that hasn't worked for another company before. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay. Um, do you, you like the focus. book? Do you like the book? Like, do you think it's a valuable framework? I think, um, yes. Uh, yes. Um, the framework that you're referring to is, uh, experiment with a bunch of channels. And then once one is working, go extract the heck out of it and then constantly be experimenting with other ones. So you have your next one lined up, extract the heck out of that. And you basically, it's basically a, an elephant building strategy for yeah. lack of a better word. And the yeah. book gives 19, I think it is proven channel. Now it's a little outdated at this point. So probably if you read it today, there'd be a few new ones and a few would get cut. But the point is it's like, if you just stick with these 19 and try them, again, the tactics might vary, but there's some ideas in there. The thing that I think is different for you than if you were like, the, he writes more for the entrepreneur, like yeah. figuring this out for the first time is you have tracks and channels. You just don't know what they are. So like, the, I think there's That's this fair. like, there's this first step before you start doing new traction channels of like understanding what traction channels you already have traction in and, and figuring out how you're going to manage those versus the experimentation of new channels. Okay, that's that's a good point. Um, and it, it, I think the framework in the book kind of allows for that, where mm -hmm. you're right that it's more for early, early stage people, but it's kind of like, it has a system for, as something begins working, it moves into this, it, they use the bullseye metaphor, mm -hmm. where it's things in the middle are the ones you're extracting, like you say. Ones on the second level, you're testing. Ones on the outer level, you're like, these don't work for us, basically. Um, you're basically saying some should start out in the middle and we should start by extracting those as opposed to experimenting with new things that we don't have yet. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a good point. I hadn't thought that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, having said that, I do want to, I think we will, there will be some options there, but I, I think 90% of our growth right now is something we're not going to be able to extract from very effectively because it's, it's just people hear about us and like we ask people this question how'd you hear and they're just like i don't know <laughs> i would hesitate to try to go into new channels until you can answer the question how are you how how are you growing currently oh 100 percent. and that, yeah. that's bracken's number one okay, cool. priority i, I, I would, totally I would want like everyone like who's working on this project to like really understand that mm. and to buy like believe it um like there's like kind of the version of history that's like, yeah, that's what the data says, but I don't believe it. I think that's like, mm. you're not, you're not, you got to get people going yet. Yeah, that, that's right. Okay. That's true. Um, who's going to take, and there's probably like, who's going to take ownership of managing that this going forward versus who's going to try new things. So let me, 
I already know some of the answers here, which is mm-hmm. like a huge percentage of people who sign up for free trials, Googled less annoying CRM, came to our homepage and started a free trial. What's the next step to dig into that, to peel back the onion, do you think? I don't know. Because the, the problem is there's all this, like we actually do have pretty good, we're not like a brand the way Salesforce is a brand, but if you're looking for CRM, you see us on every single marketplace. You've probably heard someone talk about us. I don't think people necessarily can attribute them knowing about us to a specific source. So what I would typically do here is I would put together a buyer journey and I would want to understand holistically like what triggers someone to go into a buyer journey and what you know what the process is that they're going to go through and what like if they type in what are they going to type in into Google? What are they going to hit? And I would want to sort of grade less annoying CRM and their, and our presence and whether we're getting found. Cause you're, you're not going to go like one of the channels is not going to be like cold calling CRMs, like both yeah. from a philosophy standpoint and a cost of acquisition standpoint. So you're probably going to be more of an inbound marketing, like b- get found based on, you know, be available during the, the consumer, the journey that your customers are already taking versus create new journeys. So I would want to really understand that journey. And then I would want to assess like whether or not, you are in the, you are available throughout that journey. And there's sort of like the phase one of the journey, phase two of the journey. And then there's like phase three, which is like buying, um, actually making a purchasing decision. My guess is that, uh, for certain like journeys, you're very prevalent. Um, and then for some, you're not even an existent. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, and I would want to know which ones are which. So how do you, how do you build a buying journey? You just talk to people Customer who are interviews. signing up? Customer okay. interviews. How do you um, though, what about the people who aren't getting to us? So, um, so there's three groups of, of potential customer interviews. Well, I shouldn't call them customers, uh, market stakeholder potential customer interviews. I don't know what you call them to compass at all, but like there's customers, mm-hmm. there's potential customers, and there's people who don't know you who could be customers. Customers are people who are paying for you currently. Potential customers are people who um, you've had some sort of interaction with, like they signed up for a free trial or subscribe to your blog, but they're not a customer. Okay. But you know, you they know your brand. And there's people like you call like you you look in your CRM, your your customers uh, database, and you say we have a bunch of painters. Mm. And then you go call a painter in Nebraska, and you say. Do you know what less annoying CRM is? And they go, no. And you go, okay, great. You're, I want to interview you because and you, you like are, give them a gift card or something. Yes. And, yes. Okay. Okay. And so you want to have people in each of the categories, the people who you're going to learn, you need to understand how the people are there finding you currently. That's going to be the exercise Brat, Bracken goes, but the more enlightening one is going to be identifying people who don't know anything about you and what CRM they have and how they found that CRM, because then you're going to discover how, where you're missing out on people. Cool. I like that a lot. I especially like it because I'm not going to have to do that. Someone else will. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's actually a fun exercise because um, you learn so much by asking people questions and mom test, the mom test interview guide for how to do uh, mm. these interviews is the way to go. Great. Okay. Eunice is going to love that too. I think she, she was like an anthropology major or something. Mm. She loves like studying people, people's yes. behavior. This is and a stuff behavioral like that. analysis. Yeah. And there's just three groups, three different groups of people. Okay, great. Um, okay. So. I get step one is understand what's going on, dive in, understand more and all that. I want to basically say, throw out all the pie in the sky brainstorming. Let's use this traction approach. Like we, we haven't run experiments truly in far too long. That's one of the things that traction is all about is like you start with 
I think they say $1,000 in one month is the maximum budget for any channel until you prove that it's worthwhile. And the reason for that is so you can try so many different things. So I think the, the specifics depend on what we find out, but we'll try to extract more from our current channels and try to throw a bunch of shit against the wall with new channels, more or less. The one, the one thing that I'm thinking about that we haven't talked about, but you're probably already thinking about it is, you, you know, one thing you need to stand up is a system to manage this so that, because um, like mm. one, one thing that you, like when you're starting a business that you don't have to worry about is unintended consequences. Um, when you start experimenting with things, once you've gotten to your stage, like an experiment, like, yeah, you're only spending a thousand dollars a month, but if it's breaking something that's bringing you in, $10,000 a month, it's an $11,000 experiment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So for an example, that might be, I know we get some visibility from like G2 and Captera and sites like that. If we go and mess with our profile there, it could help, but it could hurt. Yes. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. SEO experimentation, you, you drop down on the rankings without understanding, yeah. Hey, like, yeah, just second order okay. thinking, basically, um, you need a system to manage that and do approvals. Um, and then also like kind of know when something breaks. Uh, uh, so there's like this monitoring thing that just sort of alerts you of experimentation's gone bad. Yeah. Okay, cool. Since we've just got a few minutes here, can I move on to product? I'm not, we're not going to get into like what specific features we're going to build, but again, I just want to talk about like the philosophy I'm, I'm using here. Get your thoughts on it. So basically I'm going to look, I, I want to look at everything and say like, where, again, where is their flex? What, what features can we, push off, not that we're never going to do them, but we're not going to do them right now to free up time. I've already done that exercise. I think that was actually pretty easy. So how do we decide what to work on? And here's the framework I was going to use. I looked at it. We have really good churn. That's not the problem. Making our, listen, I want to make our current customers happy. I don't want to act like I'm forgetting them, but like, that's not what we need to do here. Number two, we have pretty good trial to paid conversion. Um, 25% of our free trial users pay, and that's with no credit card up front, which I think is pretty good. Also, if someone does anything, they add a task, if they add a contact, if they just log in a second time, the likelihood of them paying goes up to 50%. Yeah, it makes sense. So I wanted to focus on three things. Number one, uh, something that matters to somebody before they sign up for a free trial, like basically ticking a box. Sometimes people call up our support and they're like, do you, well, before we, we actually have it now, but they used to be like, do you have Outlook integration? We'd be like, no. They're like, okay, bye. Um, something that actually a meaningful number of people we think care about before they've even seen the software. That's number one. Number two, something that will get someone to log in a second time. So for example, a feature we're lacking right now, our search is not great. Nobody knows that until later, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to have data in the CRM before you can tell the search isn't good. We're still going to fix it. Again, I'm not abandoning our current customers here, but like that's not the feature that's going to convert someone. And then number three is something that creates a new top of funnel growth channel, like something that brings customers in one way or another. That could be getting listed on an integration marketplace. It could be a viral thing where our customers are reaching out to their customers. But those are the three things. And then I just wanted to figure out what fits into those three. What do you think about that list? Yeah, I think it's great. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what I expect you to say here. I'm just like, you don't I think just, I made I don't some know huge what you always say the third one last. 
Yeah, I guess it's because in the in the customer ex- journey, that's the third thing that happens if but it's viral. You, but you've underinvested in the third thing, and yeah, you've overinvested right. in the first two. So I, I just I feel like you always you're, you're one of the core values at Windfall is leverage over optimization, and I actually really appreciate it. Um, mm. And like I feel like your leverage here is in the third bullet. You the the first the first two bullets that you went through are optimization opportunities, and like listen. You don't need to do like this. Is not an optimization effort that you're going through. This is a leverage ef- effort, okay. and uh, it feels like yes, you should like once you've exhausted the f- you know first the the third one, then maybe you should consider some of these other things. Um, but like it, maybe it's a ninety ten. So you want to keep Im- continuously improving some of these other things. But like yeah. it seems like the most of your effort should be going into like increasing new growth channels. And sharing virality versus like trying to increase conversion rates. Let me explain why this is not a, a defense. I'm I'm not sure how I feel yet if if yeah. if I think this is a defense or not. But I think the reason I naturally shy away from it is a lot of the ways to. Well, let, let me give a couple examples of specific features. Uh, we could build invoicing where our customers can send invoices to their customers. That's kind of got the virality thing. We could build web forms where you can embed your a form on your website, and then when someone fills it out, it goes directly in your CRM. Um, those would, would would you agree those both fit into that third category? Yeah. Okay. Those also aren't really on track product wise. Whereas all of the things for the first two are things, they were like already things we wanted to build, but maybe that's exactly, maybe that's the wrong way to think about it. Maybe it's like, well, fuck what you wanted to build. Like go, go build invoicing. But like you would, the other attention like has been spent on the first two, Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's where you have your backlogged items and you have good ideas and you have confidence in those ideas, mm-hmm. but you haven't given attention to this other thing. Like, and I feel like every time we talk about giving it attention, it comes it's after next. you give attention to <laughs> yeah. you know, the other attention. No, you're, you're absolutely right about yeah. that. So it's like, if you're not, if you're serious about this, like give it some attention, like you can always come back. You already know what to do on the other two. Like you're not going to, there's not learning anything new there. It's just optimizing. Um, there's a, there's a zero to one opportunity with this other thing that like, mm. I think you're serious about committing to it at the top of the funnel. I don't know why you wouldn't also commit to that at the um, product level. Yeah, that's fair. I'll have to put some thought into that and talk. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone involved to listen to this and get their thoughts on that. But I think that's a good reality check. Uh, I appreciate that. It's scary though. Like, yeah, it is. And <laughs> like what you're basically saying is like, you have no backlog of obvious, simple things to do to increase sharing virality or create new growth channels um, from from the product. Um, and therefore, you're not prioritizing it. And it's like, ooh, like... We have some, I should say. Like, some. Like, but that, not... Like, FC has some on the list here, right? Zapier's one? Is that... Yeah, Zapier's checks all three boxes. That's the yep. most obvious. We have to build that. That's an easy slam dunk. Yep. yep. And then events invites is another one, right? Yeah, event invites is the other yeah. one, right? And we're well, planning on doing both of those, but... Yeah, I would love to see a list of like, if if nothing else over the next like 90 days, if you had a list of like 20 ideas mm. that were like related to your existing product, like constrained to like core product delivery. And it was like, yeah, we went and found all these ideas and we decided not to do them because they're too expensive or like, um, but like there's just not enough, not enough ideas here. Okay. And that ladies and gentlemen is why you should have a podcast with Rick. <laughs> No, 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 no. That you're, I, I, I have absolutely no defense against that. You're, you're 100 right. Do you want to talk about anything else? No, I, 
listen, I'm going to bring this up probably every uh, two to four weeks until the problem solved. So I, I appreciate the thoughts. I'm going to go get answers to those questions, do some of this brainstorming. And then once I have my thoughts together, I'll come back and we'll do it all over again. Cool. I think it's great that you're thinking about this. Um, and I think it's going to be really exciting uh, for the people who get, I think it'll be energizing for the company to, to work on some, some, uh, innovative stuff. No, I agree. Uh, it's hard to communicate this without people panicking. Like my personality is I'm, I'm fired up. I'm like, I can't, it's been too long since we've had like discomfort and I like it, but it is hard to communicate it to people without them panicking. But when I, when we start talking about ideas, when we're like, what if we built this? What if we built that? People are like, yeah, yeah. Energized. Let's throw all that other Energy. stuff out the window and yeah. let's do that. So yeah, I, I like think it'll it. be fun. Cool. But I, I thank you a lot. This was uh, very helpful and I'll, I'll keep you posted. All right. Well, um, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.